This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Let's get lost, lost in each other's arms. That's Canadian crooner Matt Dusk in the first live performance from the new AM740 Radio Concert Hall here at the Zoomerplex. Coming up, we'll have more of the performance to celebrate Matt's new CD, My Funny Valentine. It's a sad fact most Canadians will find shocking. Three-quarters of the world's population lives under some type of religious restriction, and persecution is rising at an alarming rate. It's the subject of a Zoomer TV special, The War on Faith, that will air tomorrow. Today I'll be joined by Brian Grimm, senior researcher at the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. Plus, do you know when it's okay to eat asparagus with your fingers? How about bacon? Do you even know the correct way to use your fork and knife? Charles McPherson tackles these quandaries in his new book, The Butler Speaks. Coming up, the master of etiquette will join us. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The two founding patrons of Dying with Dignity Canada have been joined by four more high-profile Canadians. Moses Neimer, the founder of Zoomer Media, which owns this radio station, and renowned actor Christopher Plummer have publicly endorsed Dying with Dignity. Now stepping forward are Nobel Prize winner Dr. John Polanyi from the University of Toronto and award-winning actor Sheila McCarthy. Two more patrons are Greenpeace International co-founder Rex Whaler, as well as the plaintiff in the Carter Challenge for the Right to Die, Lee Carter. A July 2012 poll by Angus Reid showed 80% of Canadians support legislation to allow doctors to help some terminally ill patients end their lives. There's more information online at dyingwithdignity.ca. Men who are embarrassed about needing help in the bedroom no longer have to visit a drugstore to get their Viagra. In first for the drug industry, Pfizer has begun selling the erectile dysfunction pill directly to patients on its website. Men will still need a prescription to buy the blue pill on Viagra.com, but they won't have to face a pharmacist to get it filled. As baby boomers head for retirement, a new Toronto study suggests most organizations are poorly prepared to usher in a new generation of leaders. Executive search firm Audgers Bernson surveyed 100 senior executives at global companies. Only 4 out of 10 said their organizations are ready for the cultural changes that will occur as current leaders are replaced by employees from generations X and Y. Canadian chair Carl Lovis says companies will need to undergo changes in order to attract and retain top talents. That's because younger generations prefer personal development, flexible hours, and work-life balance to the monetary rewards favored by their predecessors. 
He's not only a world-renowned lyricist, Bernie Taupin is an artist whose works will soon be exhibited in Toronto. Toppin has been Elton John's songwriter for 40 years. His impressive collection of contemporary paintings will be on display at the Liszt Gallery in Yorkville beginning June 15th, when Toppin will be on hand himself. The exhibition is called In Other Words and will start just days after he receives the highest award from the Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Johnny Mercer Award. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's a shocking fact of life in the 21st century. Religious freedom is under attack in much of the world and persecution is rising at an alarming rate. The numbers are documented in a rigorous report by the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. It finds religious persecution in 160 countries, and that means fully 75% of the world's people live under some type of religious restriction. I reached senior researcher Brian Grimm at the Pew Research Center in Washington, D.C. Religion can be restricted not only by the actions of governments, but also by the actions of groups and even individuals in society, such as a terrorist attack can uh, create a situation where religious restrictions rise. We found that restrictions around the world have been rising uh, over the past four or five years. Today, about 40% of countries have high or very high religious hostilities or restrictions, and that's up markedly from just four years earlier when uh, only about 29% of countries had high or very high restrictions. I mean, that's huge. We've been tracking this now uh, over the, for a five-year period, and we've seen uh, a regular increase in these restrictions, both in, in government restrictions as well as social hostilities. And our study also looks at the association between restrictions and hostilities. Uh, we monitor 20 different types of government restrictions, such as restrictions on preaching, conversion, proselytizing, whether or not the government intervenes when religious minorities are being abused and such things. And we find that when these restrictions are in place, that that tends to be associated with higher social hostilities and not lower. Uh, And also vice versa, when there are social hostilities such as religion-related violence through terrorism or hate crimes or even uh, religion-related war, that these things also tend to be associated with higher government restrictions. So the study finds that rather than religious freedom being something that can be addressed merely through constitutions, it has to be looked at in, in various spheres of society and government. Which countries have the worst levels of government restrictions and which countries have the highest levels of social hostilities? So in terms of high levels of government restrictions, the country with the highest level in our uh, latest study was Egypt, followed by Indonesia, Maldives, Saudi Arabia, and Afghanistan. For countries with high social hostilities, these include uh, Pakistan, which topped our list, India, Iraq, Sri Lanka, and Bangladesh. Uh, An example of a government restriction in Egypt, which tops our list, is that uh, the government permits conversion into Islam, but it's against the law for a Muslim to leave Islam, so religious conversion is a one-way street. In Pakistan, 
We've seen a number of uh, increasing hostilities, both in religion-related terrorism and attacks even on politicians by members of society who suggest that some of the restrictive laws on, for instance, blasphemy be overturned. Uh, Shabazz Bhatti, who was the um, only Christian member of the Pakistani government, was assassinated when he suggested that yeah. uh, the government's laws on blasphemy be overturned. I noticed that the countries with the highest levels of government restrictions are all Muslim countries. The, the, the ones mul- at the, the very top, but yes. in terms of having high government restrictions, uh, in addition to countries where Muslims are the majority, there's Eritrea, which is a Christian majority country, China, where uh, sort of secular or non-affiliated people are in the majority, Burma, which is um, Buddhist majority, Russia, which is Orthodox Christian majority, Vietnam, which is, again, predominantly Asian religion, and even Belarus, uh, which is Orthodox. So there's a variety. It's not just Muslim majority countries on the list uh, of countries with very high government restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you did not measure North Korea. There have been other organizations that say North Korea might be the worst place. In North Korea, because the society is uh, essentially closed to outsiders, it doesn't give the sources that the Pew Research Center considers uh, factual enough for us to make the assessment. But you're right, most of the sources that we do use do consider North Korea to be among the most restrictive. By the numbers, which are the groups that are the most persecuted or restricted? So in our uh, latest study, we found Christians were harassed in the largest number of countries, 139, between mid-2006 and mid-2010. So that period, Muslims were harassed in the second largest number of countries, 121. Uh, And neither of those are too surprising because Christians are the largest religious group as a whole and Muslims are the second largest. But then Jews were the third group facing hostilities in the largest number of countries, in 85 countries. And you're talking Um, about Jews that are, uh, what, 1% of the world population, less? uh, Yes, less. Jews make up 0.2% of the world's population by by our estimates. And this does reflect that it tends to be religious minorities in these countries. So it may be a Christian minority in a Buddhist country, for instance, or it could be Buddhists in a uh, Muslim country who are facing the harassment. Is your sense of it that things are getting better or that things are getting worse? We don't put things in terms of better or worse, but certainly the study shows that restrictions coming from governments around the world and social hostilities involving religion are both on the rise. These are important trends that we continue to monitor, and uh, our plan is to keep monitoring this in in the years to come. Seems like a, a very important thing to do. Brian Grimm, thank you so much. Thank you. This is why we brought together local religious leaders, including Cardinal Thomas Collins, Shabir Ali of the Islamic Information and Dawah Center, Rabbi Yossi Saperman, and Pandit Rupnath Sharma, as well as writer and commentator Conrad Black. Our special, The War on Faith, airs tomorrow, Monday night, May 13th at 10 p.m. on Vision TV. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Can you send a proper thank you note in an email? Should you eat bacon with your fingers? And what are the things we need to make sure we include in our spring cleaning? The answers are in Charles McPherson's new book, The Butler Speaks. In just a moment, we'll learn proper etiquette from the professional. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. 
popularity of shows like Downton Abbey has sparked a renewed interest in old world elegance, etiquette, and the art of housekeeping. Charles McPherson dropped by our Liberty Village studios to talk about his guide to stylish entertaining and good manners, The Butler Speaks. There's a huge resurgence. You're absolutely right. The pendulum is going back and it's now trying to find an equilibrium of, you know, where it was too stringent in the Victorian era and where it was too, you know, loose or non-existent in the 60s to where it's more today being more comfortable for people. Mm -hmm. So what are people looking for? I think people are really looking for how to socially interact with each other and what is acceptable. You know, our world is changing. We can't look at the past of etiquette rules. We need to look at what is current. We have cell phones. We have email. We have text. How do we communicate in today's world and what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable? In your book, for instance, uh, I I was uh, quite fascinated with the chapter on how to eat particular things, (laughs) how exactly to use your cutlery. And it's amazing how many people really don't know. It's actually quite scary. And I think, you know, what what I love to, to point out to people is that this is actually so important that, you know, you may be a brilliant lawyer coming out of law school, but, you know, when you go and you apply for a job, they take you out for lunch because they want to know how do you conduct yourself at the table and are you going to embarrass them in front of a client? What are the most common things that people say don't know about how to eat? They don't understand how to deal with, with a, for example, fish with bones. You know, they don't know how to use correctly a fish fork and a fish knife in that scenario. Or, for example, should they pick it up with their fingers, crisp bacon or, you know, asparagus? When do you have it? And the answer is? <laughs> the answer is uh, that asparagus, if it has a sauce, you always use a fork and a knife. If there is no sauce, it is absolutely correct to pick it up with your fingers. Mm-hmm. And bacon? Bacon. If it's crisp, then you can pick it up with your fingers. If not, if you are able to cut it, then you should use a knife and a fork. The other thing I noticed, and I know that this gives some people trouble, is when you have a dessert fork and a dessert spoon. You're actually supposed to use the spoon and the fork is the pusher. So if you're having, whether it's pudding or cake or ice cream, you're using the spoon and the fork is pushing the food onto the spoon for you to eat with. I think that I've got that confused sometimes <laughs> myself where I use a spoon to push it on the fork. And, you know, I think that that's such a great thing because we actually all kind of make those mistakes. Another question I have about email. To me now, in this day and age, if you even if you remember right away and write a thank you note, it takes a while to get there by snail mail. Absolutely. So... I have decided that it's perfectly fine to send an email thank you note, but am I correct? <laughs> well, you know, here is an exa- a perfect example of etiquette for the 21st century, and that is absolutely it is correct. But I think that, that the secret, it's not about just sending the email. It's how do you correctly write the thank you note? Not only just saying thank you for the gift, but, you know, being sincere, how you, you know, enjoy it and looking forward to seeing the person again. So there, there really is a format to the note no matter how it is communicated. Moving right along to the domestic arts. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed that you talk about how to fold sheets and how to store tablecloths and how to shine shoes. Do you actually do all those things yourself? I do. It's those tips and tricks that I want to be able to bring to people every day on how can you do those things yourself but efficiently because we still want to have a little bit of time to rest at the end of the day. If you just make a little calendar, you know, so whether you have a 600-square-foot apartment or a 10,000-square-foot house, there's still certain things you need to do and deep clean once a year. It's spring. Uh, What should we be doing now? You know what? Time to flip your mattress. 
every three months. So top to bottom, left to right is the, is the butler trick on that. Spring is the time to really move furniture and to be able to vacuum underneath it and to, you know, vacuum your curtains and all that kind of stuff with all that stale air from the, from the wintertime when we've had our furnaces on. And so, you know, let's get rid of that dust. And, vacuum your curtains? You know what? You need to. And I'll tell you why. Because if the dust collects on your curtains, it's because of grease when we're cooking. In Act- the bedroom too? Everywhere. Because it, you know, shockingly travels through your house. And so, you know, you need to be able to just start at the top and vacuum down. It actually doesn't take long, but it's just one of those once-a-year projects you need to do. It's not every week or every month, I promise you. People, I think, sometimes get a little bit stressed about their households. And I think the most important thing is just to relax a bit a little bit and enjoy it. And then you'll have an atmosphere that people really enjoy spending time with you in. Okay, that sounds good. Charles McPherson, thanks so much. Thank you. The Butler Speaks, a return to proper etiquette, stylish entertaining, and the art of good housekeeping, is published by Appetite by Random House. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Let's get lost, lost in each other's arms. Matt Dusk stopped by the new AM740 radio concert hall earlier this week. In just a moment, we'll hear some of the Canadian crooner's performance. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City. Kelly O'Hara stars in Far From Heaven. It's a musical based on the 2002 film starring Julianne Moore as a 1950s wife who finds out her husband is gay. It's in previews at Playwrights Horizons on West 42nd Street. To the Windy City, where Chicago's Lyric Opera is staging a Rogers and Hammerstein classic. The production of Oklahoma is being choreographed by 91-year-old Jemzy DeLapp, who performed in the first national tour of the production. And in London, England, the extraordinary career of David Bowie comes to life in an exhibit at the Victoria and Albert Museum. David Bowie is, runs until the middle of August. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. You've probably heard us mention more than a few times that we are now in our new home at the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Well, this week we had our first live concert in our brand new digs. It was a terrific performance by Matt Dusk, hosted by our very own Norm Edwards. And if you missed it, you're in luck. We have a little taste for you right now. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomerplex uh, for our first ever radio concert here from the AM740 Zoomerplex at Zoomer Village. I'm Norm Edwards and very happy to have Matt Dusk with us here today. He has a brand new CD called uh, My Funny Valentine, the Chet Baker Songbook. So without further ado, here is Matt Dusk.
My funny Valentine Sweet comic Valentine You make me smile with my heart Your looks are laughable Unphotographable Yet You're my favorite work of art It's your figure Less than green is your mouth a little weak when you hold and it just be are you smart but don't change a hell for me not if you care for me Stay little Valentine Stay Each day is Valentine's Day was Matt Dusk this week in the new AM740 Radio Concert Hall here at the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Matt's new album is called My Funny Valentine and features the music of Chet Baker. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Come back next week when we find out about the myths of happiness from Dr. Sonia Lubomirsky. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nyman. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bendry. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.